When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. It's good to see you. I hope you've had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And, you know, you made it to another week. That's a reason to give thanks, right? You ought to be clapping your hands, people. You know, you got to thank the creator or somebody, who, whatever it is you believe in, for making it through another week. I don't care what tried to kill you, get you, stop you, break you, throw you down on the ground. It didn't work. <laughs> for, for, they, for he that is within you, don't get me started today. Is greater than he that is in the world. So I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you're here. We got a great show, okay? We got a great show tonight. My sister Monique is here. We're going to talk to her about her, her journey with boundaries. You know, I do a lot of show with boundaries and people, you know, being good at it or not so good at it or not as good at it as they would like to be. And we all have an area of our lives where we're not good at drawing boundaries. Mine is pizza. <laughs> but everybody's got an area. So I'm going to help my sister tonight work through, think about, and hopefully make some progress in that area. And as I help her and work with her and encourage her, I'm doing the same for you. Because we all in this together, you know what I'm saying? I'm only as great as you are, and you only as great as I aspire to be. And the more healing I get, the more healing is available to you. We're all a community, right? We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean later. And of course, you guys know we do the headlines. Play the bumper, Hailey. So, listen, the only thing that I like more than a story about Clarence Thomas messing up is a story about Donald Trump doing something wrong. (laughs) There's no way I can resist talking about Clarence Thomas just doing something a little not so kosher. So did you guys hear that Clarence Thomas decided that he's not going to teach at George Washington University's law school in the fall? And Clarence Thomas, because I was talking to somebody today who didn't know who Clarence Thomas was. And I was just like, really? How do you not know who Clarence Thomas is? But, but for those of you who don't know who Clarence Thomas is, regrettably, he's been on the Supreme Court for 30 years. He's taught at the law school for George Washington University since 2011. And this year, Thomas was one of the leading voices to overturn Roe versus Wade, which is uh, how women were able to make decisions with respect to their reproductive rights. And Thomas was big on making sure that that decision got reversed and women lost the right to choose and to make, I think, appropriate decisions for their body. And now Thomas has decided that he doesn't want to teach at the law school. I wonder why. (laughs) I wonder why he's decided he doesn't want to have to walk into a classroom every week and face law students who might ask him hard questions about his judicial decisions. I wonder why he doesn't want to do that. Hmm? Now, the university defended Clarence Thomas's right to teach at the university. And let me say, I also defend his right to teach there. I think, you know, ideas should be public. That's the only way I, bad ideas don't win. When bad ideas are covert 
or secret. That's how they gain traction and ground. Put, let the bad idea have a hearing so that we can, we can adjudicate the idea. Clarence Thomas doesn't want that to happen. He's going to hide and he's not going to teach this semester. Now, he, he was instrumental in making sure women don't have a right to choose. But now he doesn't want to discuss it in a classroom with students who might ask him hard questions. And I know a lot of people in this country don't want to hear ideas or thoughts that they don't agree with because that's what we think education is. But let me assure you, it, that's not education. Education is when people say everything that you like or you agree with. Education is when you hear all the ideas, including the ones that you don't agree with, because bad ideas or wrong ideas or contrary ideas refine the ideas that you do like. You help to make up your mind in the presence of people who disagree with you. You understand what I'm saying? But Clarence doesn't want that. He doesn't want discourse. He doesn't want dialogue. He wants to run and hide because he doesn't want to be accountable for what he's done. And let me just say this just so that we're clear. There is no such thing as personal truth. Truth is a public commodity that all of us work to achieve and build consensus on and come together, okay? Truth is public discourse, not private feelings. <laughs> well, let me end with, with, with Clarence. Now, I should call him Mr. Justice, but I don't respect him. So let me, let me end with talking about Clarence. Clarence doesn't want to be in a room full of students that are asking him hard and difficult questions because when you're wrong and you know you're wrong and you know you've done wrong, that's the only reason you hide. So Clarence Thomas doesn't want to teach at the university's law school. He doesn't want a woman probably in that classroom giving him the third degree on why he decided not having a uterus or a vagina that he should make decisions for people who do. Okay. I'm cooking with hot grease, Monique. <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about uh, transgender people uh, who are running for political office, okay? I don't know if you heard this or not, but there are a record number of transgender and non-binary people running for political office this year. As of July, check this, listen to this. 55 transgender candidates are running for office alongside of 20 non-gender conforming candidates and also 18 non-binary candidates and two two spirit candidates all running for political office and just in case you didn't know where i stand on this i absolutely celebrate it i think it's absolutely a wonderful and empower a powerful thing i think it is an important piece and 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 a lot of this comes at a time when lgbtq people um need to be involved in politics because the supreme court and republican legislatures uh, across the across the states are rolling back rights so when your rights are being rolled back, you know what you need to do? You need to get involved in the process, run for office, and make sure that you keep the rights that you already had. Because if you're expecting people to, to give you something, that ain't how it works. Frederick Douglass says power concedes nothing without a demand. And the people who don't like you ain't going to like you anymore when you become more powerful than they are. So the only way for you to maintain some, some, some equality some equity is to get involved in the process. And I celebrate the fact that LGBTQ people, in particular transgender people, non-binary people, are getting involved in politics. Because if you leave it to rich, white, straight men, you ain't going to have no rights at all in this country. It's an amazing kind of collaboration. But you know what? I also celebrate this moment because I'm happy to see that Trans people, non-binary people feel free enough, safe enough, and themselves enough to participate in democracy. You know what I'm saying? I think, I, I, call me naive, okay? Call me naive. But I just think there's room in this country for everybody. 
And there's room in this country for the people that I don't agree with. There's room in this country for everybody. We all can have just a little piece of the sun. And I don't think I have to run somebody away or chase somebody out in order for me to have enough room in the garden and in the soil for, for what I believe and what I like and what I'm about to grow. Everybody can grow. Why can't that be the perspective? I don't have to lose in order for you to win. There's enough everything in this country. Money, resources, space, attention, time, all of that. I just celebrate. But I also celebrate it for this reason. Listen to this, Monique. You ready for this? Y'all not going to see this one coming. I also celebrate the fact that transgender and non-binary people are running because it is a return to what African people thought before white folks came down into Africa. Before, before Europeans came to Africa, we didn't hate gay people. We did not hate two-spirit non-binary people. In fact, in Egypt, non-binary people were the keepers of the temple. There was a room in African indigenous culture for all expressions of humanity. Huh? In, Af in, in, in Kemet, what we would call gay people, or at the time were called eunuchs, they were the keepers of the sacred texts. Because there was room for everybody. It's only after Europe came down and gave us European notions and European ideas and European biases, European values, that now we started hating and not liking people because that's what Europe did. And you think that you're being African by not liking people that Africans liked before they were colonized by Europe, Europeans. We got to get Europe out of our minds. We got to get Europe out of our out of our expressions of love, out of our expressions of what we're willing to understand ourselves to be and accept. We got to decolonize how we see each other, because if a, if, if a brother or sister is your brother or sister, it does not matter who they love, who they sleep with, if they have on a dress or a pair of pants. It does, none of that matters. What matters is that's your brother and that's your sister. And your job as an African or your job as a human being is to love the expression of that humanity in front of you. We got to decolonize people, okay? It's good to see that non-binary people, transgender people, two-spirit people are going to help us do it. Because if the truth be told, it's not that the world is going to change. I got some news for you. It has already changed. And y'all just better keep up. All right, let me do a couple more before I get this done. Listen to this one. A Florida company, a uh, Florida-based company has just introduced a new carbon-neutral spaceship where people can fly up into space. There it is. <laughs> there are a lot of companies emerging offering opportunities for regular people to go up into space. And you can, you can, you can listen, you can go up 100,000 feet up in the air uh, and have a suborbital experience. All right? And so this Florida-based company called Space Perspectives plans to be the leading uh, company with this, which is carbon neutral way to go up in space. And what they've, what they've developed is you can take a six hour flight in a high tech, ver high tech rather version of a hot air balloon. We just showed it. Show that again, John, um, of a high tech balloon. Okay. Um, so no, no, show the spacecraft. Okay. So let me share a little secret. Keep that up there. Let me share a little secret with you. Okay. And this is why I wanted John to keep that up there. I hit. Okay. This is, this is a secret between me and you. Okay. Between me and you. We're not going to tell anybody. This is just between me and you and Monique because she's here. I have no desire to go up into space. <laughs> None. <laughs> and, and, and put it back on me, John. And I'm, and I'm definitely not going up into space in something called a high-tech version of a hot air balloon. <laughs> the, the, the spirit ain't told me that. The, the spirit is not leading me 
to go up in nothing called no high-tech balloon. That's the devil. I just want y'all to know I have, I have, I, you call me what you want, you can judge me. I have, I, I do not have the desire. It is not in me to want to go up into space. And no, I just don't want to do it, okay? I'd rather be in Cape Town. I would. I love Cape Town, South Africa. I'd rather go to pa- Paris. Actually, I'd rather go to Harlem because I love Harlem. I love Harlem. I love Harlem so much. If, if you said to me, Dr. Shaw, Harlem or space, Harlem every day. I'm not flying. No, I'm, to, I go up there and do what? To see what? The planet? I'm not messing around with y'all. In fact, I need y'all to master this technology before I go. I need y'all to figure out how to deal. No. I'm not going to be the first one on some, what do we call it? A high-tech hot air balloon. (laughs) Monique, are you with me on this? I'm not doing it. I'm not. The devil is trying to deceive (laughs) y'all. And and here's the other thing, all right, because I got to end. Here's the other thing. We don't need a bunch of human beings flying up into space, okay? You know why? Look at what we've done to the earth. We don't, we don't, we don't need a bunch of, we don't need a bunch of human beings messing up space too. We done messed up the water. We done messed up the soil. We done messed up the air. We done messed up the wind. We done ruined the animals. Honeybees are dying. And now we want to go to space to mess that up too. How about you? I wish I could cuss, but I'm trying to be holy. How about you stay your, you know what, right down here on earth and fix what you messed up. Always running from something. Huh? Sit down and clean up what you messed up. Y'all want to go to space in a high-tech, hot-air balloon. But let me ask you a question. Does Flint, Michigan have clean water? Do they have clean water yet? How about y'all go to Flint and clean up the water, okay? I'm not going to space. Mm Mm-mm. Y'all ain't getting me. Y'all going up there and see what happens. Let me know in your high-tech, hot-air balloon. Here's my last story of the day. And I'm, I'm excited about this, all right? Monique, you and I, we're going to celebrate this one. Um, I'm happy to announce that a long-time HIV patient has been cured after a stem cell transplant. The 66-year-old man had HIV, had an HIV stem cell transplant and is now in long-term remission. And I absolutely celebrate this from the bottom of my soul. I had a brother who was adopted into my family who contracted uh, HIV AIDS from his mother, who was a drug addict. He, uh, he contracted it through the, you know, being in her body. Um, and he died of it, died of it in our home. So I have a heart for people who have struggled with this disease. And apparently um, doctors uh, were able to give this man a stem cell transplant that had a certain kind of mutation in it. And that mutation is the thing that sort of triggered him into remission and doctors are trying to see if they can reproduce that technology that mutation so that people can now have this treatment available because right now it's only available to a few people check this out listen to this all right lean forward and listen to this a vast majority of americans are living with this disease a lot of 38 million people are living with hiv and there are 1.2 million in this country alone that are living with this disease. And if you are someone who lived through the 80s and 90s, you know that this was an insidious problem that destroyed communities and families and took lives and treasure and talent away from us. 
It was one of the most frustrating and alarming diseases in my lifetime. Okay? No people who have died from it. And the gay community and the black community are still some of the leading victims of this disease. Black women, hear me, black women are still more susceptible to get this disease than anybody else. And it ain't got nothing to do with being gay. Nothing. So it's good to hear that we're on the brink of figuring out how to cure this. And here's why I brought this story to you. Because there are a lot of people who didn't live long enough to hear what I just said, that a 66-year-old man is being cured of this disease. They died before they got, we got here. And they never got a chance to hear that we, we, we would figure out and we now know how to get past this disease. And here's my word to you before I take this break. You see, good news, it's on the way. It may take a while. It may tarry. But if you hold on long enough and believe long enough and fight for your life long enough, progress will happen. We are going to make progress, sometimes in spite of ourselves. I just believe it. I believe that life is slanted in the direction of us being better than this. And this story is one of the things that proves it. So here's the last thing I'm going to say to you. Don't you take good news for granted because you won't get it every day. The sun don't shine every day and sometimes it rains more than the sun shines so that when you get good news, you better act like it's good news. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to my sister Monique, who looks amazing, by the way. Look at her, okay? Look at her. Why are you showing me? Look at her. Let's, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So all of us, as I said before, have a journey with boundaries and a journey with allowing people that we love and like to have access to our treasure. I've been kind of biblical tonight, so let me give you one. Jesus said, don't give pearls or throw your pearls down before swine. What he meant was some things you got to keep out of the reach of people who don't know how to respect it. My guest tonight has a journey with that. And I think she looks great. So welcome to the show tonight. Monique. Hey, Monique. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure to have you. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you because, you know, you represent so many people, right? Who, who, are, who you're giving, you're loving, you're compassionate, you're kind. I like to think that that's also what I am. <laughs> but people like you actually prove it. Um, but, th- but you can do that so much that you end up hurting yourself. You said something to my producer that I thought was really interesting, and I really wanted to start here um, because I think so many people will be able to connect with this. You mentioned wearing masks, right? that you know what it is to wear a mask. Can you just say what you said again? Because I was here for it. Go ahead. So when I spoke uh, to the producer, one of the things that was named was a Hollywood Lovelace murder uh, episode where the main character, who was um, an African-American woman of color, she ended up um, coming home and as soon as she came home, she pulled her makeup, her eyelashes, her, her uh, wig, and she just said, now I can see myself. And, and that resonated with me because I wondered how many of us, including myself, wear a mask for so many people on day to day, and when is it okay to remove the mask? Mm, no, I love that. I love that because... Okay, I'm, I'm going to see your point and raise your point, and, and, you, and you just respond to this after I get through. 
and there are different kinds of masks, right? There's like, there's like, there's like your good friend's mask. There's your church mask. There's your work mask. There's your wife mask. <laughs> Am I right? No, you're, you're totally right. You can keep going. Your sibling mask, your mentor mask. I mean, there's so many different masks that you wear, uh, especially depending on your, your role in life. So me being an educator, me being a professional, me being, uh, having an empowerment platform, me being a wife, me being a stepmother. There's so many masks, me being a PhD student. I have to wear so many different masks and take them on and off, on and off. But when I reverse the mask, where where am I? That part. <laughs> that part right there. And and that's why we're here, right? That's that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Um to sort of to sort of give and we're not gonna answer that question in totality today, right? But 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 but, but we're going to approximate an answer. We're gonna we're gonna move closer in the general direction of figuring that out. But but let me ask you this, because I, I mean you are you are, I can already tell you're brilliant. I can already tell that you are a mind at work. Uh, and I love talking to brilliant people. So 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 if, if you could tell the people in your life, in your past, at work, wherever it is, how you really feel most of the time, what would you say? Most of the time, um, I think to you, I struggle with putting myself first, so I put others before me. And then because I've, I've been, it's been ingrained to me not to disappoint others. And because I care so much about people, I care so much about my work ethic and what I produce as a professional, as a human being, as a Christian. I put, I give, and I try to be everyone 100%. And when I can't, I can use the analogy of an empty tank in a car. It just, it, it can't go because there's no gas. But then when I get empty, I feel guilty. Really? I do. I feel very guilty um, to take off from work. I feel very guilty to, um, to tell people no. And I think that it has gotten worse throughout my journey of obtaining my doctorate degree because um, friends and family have to understand that I'm probably not going to make it to the weddings and the celebrations. But I also feel like I have to prioritize who I say no to, and that is difficult. And in the midst of that, I think I say no to myself as well. Yeah, no, you just said something really profound and interesting. Um, because you're right. When, when you say yes to everybody, you're ultimately saying no to you. Right. You know, and that's, and that, and that's something that I, that I want everybody to get. So I'm assuming that you are, you are the go-to person in your family, the go-to person among your friends, the go-to person. I'm not, maybe not the only go-to person, but, but you are, you're, you're one of the main go-to people, right? Well, I, I am. I'm the oldest sibling. I'm the oldest uh, of like the first female of the grandchildren. Uh, I'm living a legacy, so I lost my father at the age of, of 22, and, at, and he was the legacy, and he was a go-to person. So I'm kind of stepping in those shoes. Um, and so I, I, it resonated with me when I had a conversation with one of my superiors um, and one of my bosses, and she said, I had to drive to go and be there for my family. She was like, you drove like eight hours there and eight hours back? She said, yes. She said, you know, when you walk in Target and you see a red shirt, you know, you can go to someone mm -hmm. because it's going to help you. She was like, 
do you know about being the red shirt of everyone? And I was like, wow, that is profound. Yeah. I red shirt to so many people because it's like Target. Everyone with a red shirt in Target can help you. And I'm that red shirt listen listen you 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 saying something tonight you came you came with both barrels loaded i i gotta take a break okay but when we come back what i want to ask you is this how did you learn to say yes all the time and i'm wondering if it's connected to your experience with your dad i i just i just saw something in your face oh if i didn't have to take this break <laughs> i would all right let's take this break people because i'm telling you there's something to this. We're going to peel this on your back. We'll be right back, okay? Right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Monique. So, Monique, before we took our break, which was, which was the most inconvenient break in the history of the world, because you were definitely being emotionally transported. I saw it in your face. Um, and I'm, hopefully you've had some time to think about it. So I'll, I'll ask you my initial question, and then, and, then, and then I'll come back with the follow-up that I provided before. And that is, how did you learn how to say yes all the time? Because you learned this somewhere. Wow. So um, one of the things that, that comes to mind is growing up, um, I was a leader in, in ministry as a child. I was a leader on the basketball court. I was an athlete. I was a, a leader throughout school. And I think being a leader at a young age, you learn how to always be there and be present and say yes. And then watching my father never saying no, um, I just really believe that it became ingrained in me. Leadership and saying yes were the things that I feel like I was born to do, uh, which is why I'm here, because I, I really need... Um, to learn how to set boundaries to put myself first so that I can be a better me to myself so that I'm able to be a better to others. Yeah, and when you say that, that seems to affect you. What, what just happened when you said those words? I, what happened was I'm thinking about, wow, you're finally taking time to put yourself first. Myself, but say myself. Myself first. And, and how many others are secretly struggling with some of those same boundaries mm. from a day to day. Mm. And so when I think about my, it's like, wow, this is about me. Mm. But I don't know how, how oftentimes do I do things for me mm. uh, because I'm, I'm trying to do them for everybody else. Just as the red person, the, the shirt in the yeah, red. Yeah, yeah, and, and I love I love that analogy. You me you mentioned church, and I love well. You, I, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a church guy. You're, you're you're I'm a church boy. You're a church girl. So we so we got that in common. So so so, you, so you're familiar with Jesus. You 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 know him. Oh yeah yes. Okay. I would be. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so you know Jesus, and and you know the story, and you know that Jesus is the one that died on the cross, right? Correct. Right, and he he died according to what we believe. He died for all of us, right? Yes. Right. He sacrificed himself for all of us. All right. So I'm I'm going somewhere. I'm, we're not having revival. I'm going somewhere. Um, I think what a lot of people do is that we believe that we're Jesus. Mm. We take on a God complex, and and we forget that that's God's job to sacrifice everything. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be enjoying his sacrifice. When I, I see your face, what you feeling right now? Talk to me. Wow. 
you just you just made me think of the sacrifice that Christ made for us as believers and his children, but thinking several things, thinking, well, have I not made enough sacrifice to take the time to focus on certain things such as motherhood, mm. um, certain things in my life, because I'm trying to sacrifice for so many other people. And it just resonated. I am not Jesus. I am not God. So that means that if I can't do it, I'm not letting anyone down because they don't worship me anyway. Now look, don't don't get nothing started, okay? <laughs> don't get nothing started, Monique. There'll be shoes flying all over this studio because <laughs> that was good. Yeah, no. Say more. Keep going. It, well, well, I think for me, you asked something um, that I that I pondered on. You said, you know, what is it, or when did you learn to say yes? Mm. Um, I think that. Growing up um, in a two-parent household, seeing both of my parents, I was able to pick up things from each parent. And one of the things that I learned from both parents was that they were someone that didn't say no. Mm. Um, and so I I grew up believing that that was the way of the world. And, and so I was kind of in a bubble. I grew up in a small town and in a rural area. And, and, and so when I look at now, I've had an opportunity to expand to where I've been blessed to go globally and go worldwide. And I've learned that life is so much different. My journey is so much different, but I know why, because I'm not Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Listen, you're not, and you're not supposed to be, as I said before, you know, the sacrifice was made by him. We're supposed to be enjoying the benefits of that, right? And, and, right. and what, what's interesting is that, you know, one of the things I'm, 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 I'm zealous to ask you about is how is saying yes hurting you? And before you answer, just consider this. Although you saw your mother and your father always saying yes, what you, what you may not have been aware, with, aware of rather growing up was how always saying yes was actually hurting them was actually limiting them because you can be a great human being with a great mission and a great mandate and have a great heart, but the inability to have boundaries, it hurts you. Wow. 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 And I'm thinking about what you're saying. This is profound because maybe some of the things that I saw were from always saying yes to others and not to the direct family. And you asked me, you said, when did I, realize it. I had an opportunity to um, obtain a, a position in the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi by way of Dubai to lead an international American school. And when, when the opportunity first came about, I remember speaking to family and friends about it. And a lot, there was a lot of resistance. And, and I wanted, I had second thoughts because I was going to say yes to them. I'm going to stay and no to the Ministry of Education in, in Dubai. And I had to pick, who am I saying yes to? Mm. And that was one of the first experiences where I put myself first. Mm. And I remember a family member asking, well, you're gonna go over across the world and you're gonna go and live in the Middle East. And, and what if something happens? And I said, something could happen right, right here, right now. Something could happen in, in the schools that, that I'm leading. So why not me go out doing something that I want to do? If it happens, it happens. At least I know I'm going to educate others globally. 
that was life changing for me, Dr. Sean. Mm. That changed my life to the point to where those experiences allowed me to go to places such as Beirut, Lebanon, Kiev, Ukraine, uh, Paris, France, Zimbabwe, Africa, places that I read about. But if I would have said yes to everyone else that was resisting, I would have missed out on a life-changing opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And, and for now, for the rest of this interview, I'm going to call you Dr. Monique, okay? And I'm, oh. and, I'm, and, I'm call, and I'm calling you Dr. Monique because I want, I want to press that in your spirit and I want, you, I, I want you to hear it before you hear it. I want you yeah. to see it before you see it and have it before you get it. You with me? I receive it. Thank you. Yes. So, so Dr. Monique, let me ask you this. Um, is there anybody who says, I mean, who says yes to you consistently? Um, probably my spouse. My husband says yes to me. Um, you know? I don't ask. It's hard to, to tell you because when that mask is on, there's a um, there's confidence that's ingrained in the mask, and the confidence that's ingrained M in the mask. Doctor Doctor Monique, stop for a second because you 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 just rush you just rush right past the feeling. When you when you when you realized when you just said I don't ask something something happened. What what happened? I realized that. Most people don't say yes because they can't, because they don't know what I need, because I don't ask. So I, again, with this Jesus analogy, mm -hmm. like I'm, I can't have days of sorrow. I feel like I, I'm guilty if I'm exhausted. Like my therapist has to remind me that you're human. You're a human being. You're not a machine. Uh, but but I feel like I have to go, go, go and, and, and make everyone happy. So I can't tell you who says yes to me besides my husband because I don't ask. Mm, mm, mm. Um, first of all, let, let's just stop, Dr. Monique, and just thank God for him, right? Let's thank God for, 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 for your husband. Let's thank God for all that he is providing and, and, and loving you courageously and bravely. And that you do have at least one person in your life um, who, is, who is leading with a yes, right? Um, and so, and so I, I ain't supposed to be doing this right now. Um, but when you get off this show, uh, you make sure that you run to him and that you reach out to him. And, and of all the things that you thank him for over the course of your, you know, your marriage, thank him for being the one yes that you can count on. Wow. 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 That, that's amazing. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 uh, you, you, that, that seems to affect you. Yeah, because it's hard that I feel like when I don't think anyone has ever asked me in my adulthood um, of who says yes to me. I don't ask much because I don't like rejection. Mm, mm. Yeah. No, no, no. That, that's Dr. Monique. We've, we've come to it, people. There it is. 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 I'm going to say it again. That's it right there. That's it. That's it. So, so, so when I, when I put my finger on that and say that part of the real reason why you don't ask is that you don't want to be rejected. When I say that, what, what happens to you or in you? I think, I, I think about the things that I probably could have missed out on because I don't ask, but I think about the things that 
have been an asset to me in my life, in my adulthood, because I do ask. Okay, uh, Dr. Monique, let me, let me change gears real quick. Tell me your history with rejection. Hmm. I don't like it. It's not a good feeling. I feel defeated. And there's a sense of, I guess, abandonment that I feel if someone rejects me. Mm. So, you know what? I think it goes deeper than that. I think it goes with growing up and, and dealing with, you know, we didn't know it was bullying back then, but dealing with things that maybe some peers may have said mm -hmm. or, you know, they, some things that, that I've heard growing up in, in grade school and feeling rejected, that, that hurt, that, that was something that was painful as a young child. Um, I was always taller than everyone. I remember I, I was a basketball player. My hands would cover the ball. My voice was always deeper. Um, but but there's a sense of confidence that came from that, which is now being a principal uh, in my role the past nine years, having a voice, I can command a room and a thousand students will stop and listen. So there there's yeah, quality. Yeah, 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 yes. Now, now it, what, what was a burden has become a blessing. But, right, but, right. But, but what we're discovering tonight is that the, the the repercussions of the burden is still there, because right. because because what you had to learn and you, and you stop me and correct me if I get any of this wrong and I gotta take this break but I'm I'm gonna go over I'm telling y'all now, um, but you had to learn how to be smarter, better, more available, more of a leader, more dedicated to service so that people would see that whatever they thought about you or said about you that that isn't all that. It was to you. You were you you were able to be. You you felt you had to be a hero. You had to be a superhero to make sure that you could be seen and heard. Did I did I get any of that wrong? You got it correct. Which is what a part of the superhero ness is putting on that mask because yeah. I can't feel I can't reveal and I can't let you see the rejection. So I avoid the rejection because I'm a hero. I'm strong. But but guess but guess what happened on the little girl's way to herself? She actually became something incredible and special. And I'm saying to you, you are strong enough and big enough and bold enough. You are woman enough and black enough and gifted enough and anointed enough that no rejection anymore has the power to break you. Wow. That nobody, what nobody might say after you say no, has the ability to stop you on the pursuit of those things that you were born to do. Wow. You are you are not the nine and the eleven year old who has to avoid the rejection because it really might hurt you. It cannot break you. You've proven that it, that no matter what people say about you, you have a power that keeps driving you forward. So here's my last question. I wish I had more time because I love talking to you. Uh, but, but here's my last question. Um, what do you want for you, Doctor Monique? Just for you. <laughs> For me, I want to be able to um, be able to put myself first so that I can be a better person for everyone around me. I want to be able okay, to... Okay, stop. Dr. Monique, stop. Stop, stop, stop. No, 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 no. You're doing good. I'm, I'm just tweaking a little bit. What I'm, okay. what I'm asking you is... So if you ask me, Dr. Sean, what do you want, right? I, my, my answer would be, well... 
I want a house in Malibu. <laughs> I want I want about nine weeks of vacation. Um, mm-hmm. th- these are all things that I want for me. They have nothing to do with anybody else. Okay. That's what I want to hear from you. What do you want for you? For Monique, for the future, Dr. Monique Williams, what I would like is to be able to set boundaries so that I'm able to, because I'm on a pathway for continued success in all areas of my life. And so I want to be able to maintain and balance by setting those boundaries so that I can make sure that I'm healthy and whole mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, because if I'm not there, I can't be anyone. Okay, okay, let's, let's do, I'm, I'm, I know I gotta take a break. Y'all calm down, I'm, take, I'm, I'm getting there, just don't worry. I, I'm, I'm in full possession right now. But I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta do one more pass at this, one more pass. Dr. Monique, do you wanna complete your doctorate? I will complete my So yes, you say yes. Yes. Okay, Dr. Monique, do you wanna have a great, long, and vibrant and loving marriage? Yes. Yes. Okay. Dr. Monique, do you want to grow into the person you always imagined yourself to be and that you would make your great-great-grandmother proud of the woman that, that appears on the earth? Yes? Yes. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. I need mm-hmm. you to have a constant visitation and revisitation with the things that you want just for you. Mm-hmm. The things that you want that you want to claim and own and you be damned if any devil in hell will snatch it out of your hand. I want you to get to the place where you can claim that and name it boldly. And the next time somebody asks you what you want, you can say, how much time do you have? (laughs) Wow. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Sean. Dr. Monique, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you say no to people, you are not rejecting them. When you say no to people, what you're doing is you're choosing, you're choosing a more excellent way. And the more excellent way is love. And sometimes loving people is telling them no. Wow. Yeah. Listen, I got to go because they're going to kill me. I haven't taken this break. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Well, no, I, I enjoyed it immensely. When we come back. I'm going to do some Ask Dr. Sean. I'm going to do a little follow up with this conversation. Great conversation. And I, listen. Listen, learn how to love yourself enough to say yes to you. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So Monique, Dr. Monique, um, had some real aha moments, don't you think? She really did. I, and, and I love talking to her because she's self-aware and willing to think, think rather through the twists and turns of her life. But let me say this to all of you. As we watched her tonight come into greater possession of herself and her journey and her power, right? We also realized that rejection was at the core of her inability to protect herself. But she'd be, she'd be strong and, and willing to, to, to protect everybody else, just not herself. And that's because our experience with rejection can be devastating and life-altering. But one of the things we have to remember is that we're not the scared little kid that was rejected by whomever or whoever rejected us. We're not the insecure person that could be ruined by words. We've come to too many storms and climbed too many mountains and been through too many valleys to be weak or as weak as we were or as wounded as we used to be. And that's what she realized. You can say no to people and whatever rejection they offer is the rejection that you will keep moving beyond because your strength deserves a chance to make you strong. All right, let's do some Ask Dr. Sean. Play the bumper, Hiley. (laughs) 
Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Jeffrey, and I want to open up my own restaurant. I've been in the medical field for several years, but I'm ready for something new. Recently, I've been telling my family and friends about my idea, and they have been shutting me down. What do I do? Mm, great question. Uh, quick answer. Get you some new family and friends. <laughs> because anybody who can't support you on your dream when you need them the most, right? After you dare to reveal to them the secret aspirations of your heart and all they do is attack it and come after it, um, you need to learn from this that there's certain things you can't share with them. And that's okay. Doesn't make them bad, doesn't make them evil. It just means that there's a limit to what you can bring. So when I say get you some new family and friends or some other family and friends, I mean find some people or identify some people or empower some people who are already in your life or who will come into your life who won't poo-poo on your dream, who will speak life and hope and possibility over you. You know, one of the things I know for sure is that most of the time people sort of disrespect your dream or they say, oh, you're not going to get there, you can't do it, because it is an, your dream is an indictment of their mediocrity. And the more you reach, the more you grow, the more it highlights the fact that they have been unwilling or incapable or, or unable to do it themselves. And so people will always doubt you who at first doubted themselves. And you can't blame somebody who didn't accomplish what they wanted to do for not believing that you can't accomplish what you want to do. It's the pattern, it's the cycle, it's the expectation that has been ingrained by life and by systemic evil into them. But there are people in the world who will clap for you, sir, who will applaud you. There are people in the world who will encourage you. There are people in the world who will say those things that your heart desires and who, who, and, and who will not just support your dream, but they will ask the difficult, hard, and rewarding questions to expand the scope of the dream itself. Just because you don't get support from the people you want it from doesn't mean you won't have or can't have or shouldn't have support. You just can't get it from them. And the moment you know it, the moment you realize it, that's a good thing. Because that's the beginning of you getting what you need from people who can give it to you. Let's take a break. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So, you know, always an amazing video, always an amazing question. Someone DM me this question. My mother jokes about how handsome my husband is in front of my friends and our family. And according to my husband, she flirts with him when I am not around. She has even told me that if he wasn't my man, she would snatch him from me. How do I tell my mother that her comments make my husband uncomfortable and that I want her to stop being inappropriate? Well, by saying exactly that, in exactly that way, and in exactly that manner. Sometimes you got to be direct. When it comes to somebody, I don't give a damn who it is. Flirting with, hitting on your spouse, you got to be very clear and very direct. Okay? Now, I don't know what's going on with your mom. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what's going on with her. But she is disrespecting you. And you shouldn't be worried about a polite way to end or confront her disrespect. Now, I'm not saying you go flying off the handle and cussing, you know, cussing your mom out and all. I'm not suggesting that at all. You guys know I would never suggest that. But the way you just worded that question is exactly how you should address her. Because this is disrespectful. 
And beyond confronting her, what you also need to do is to keep your mother away from your husband. Because you can't be naive enough to believe that after one conversation with your mother, that all of a, all of a sudden her libido, her inner demons are going to go away. They're not. But she can have her inner demons somewhere else and have those things be away from your husband. And it's sad that, you know, that you, you can't have your husband around your mother. But if that's the kind of mom you have and if that's the kind of woman she is, then the truth is the truth, whether it's sad or not. And I think, I think, I think you know, ironically, it happens a lot where people cross boundaries in relationship, right? You have friends, you have cousins, and people cross boundaries. This happens a lot. And whenever somebody crosses a boundary and they keep crossing it and they keep saying it, it's because that's what, that's exactly rather what they want to accomplish. And you got to be strong enough to say to your mother, this is out of order. I'm not putting up with it. It's fine. I'm still going to be your child, but you will no longer have access to my husband because you've proven yourself to be unworthy of that connection and you've proven yourself to be dysfunctional in a way that the only way to protect you is to keep you away from that which is apparently driving you crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a crazy question. All right, let's take a look at this video really quick that someone sent me. Hello, Dr. Sean. I go by the name of Luring Lady and I need some advice. What are some ways to bring back some spice into a relationship after being together for so many years? Ah, great question. So, I think it, I think it goes to what the two of you, see, two ways to answer real quick. Um, what was the thing that sort of drew you together? What was the thing that sort of made the two of you make sense? And sometimes the way to, to, to spice it up is to go back to the beginning, is to revisit the original sort of, you know, means and ways by which your love begin to blossom because there is a journey and the two of you have been on it together and there are parts of the journey that we forget because time does what it does and we forget some of the important things so if you guys used to love to i don't know read or travel or whatever it is why not revisit those things take a season or a few months in your life to be intentional about going back to the things that made the two of you incredibly in love with each other Another way to add spice, you know, is to bring a, a, a professional in, you know, a sex therapist who can suggest things, you know, because listen, sex is a part of spice, people, okay? And sometimes you bring someone in who can suggest ways, means by which the two of you can sort of take it to another level. So, so that the physicality is, you know, taken care of, right? But then you also want to talk to some folks who can help you make sure that emotionally you're also taking that to another level. But you're accessing each other in different ways and you're able to communicate better. As all of us know that 90% of sex is mental and emotional, right? So relationships become stale and they become, and they become mundane and provincial and banal because people start taking things for granted and people stop trying and people stop communicating, right? Because life does what it does. And what you're seeking to do is to reverse some of that, to end some of that. And the only way to do that is to really, really tap in to the love that you have for each other and to allow people who know more than you to teach you how to spice it up just a little better, right? How to be free, how to be open, how to be ready for the next level 
of all the great emotion and love you're going to have. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you, Dr. Monique, for being here tonight. Listen, don't let rejection run you away. Don't let rejection make you say yes. Don't be afraid. Be not afraid of them because you're stronger than that. Y'all be good to each other. I love you.